Hello and welcome into another episode of Lockdown Wolves. Today on the show, Anthony Edwards showed out for Team USA in the first exhibition game against Puerto Rico on Monday night. We'll talk about his game, what I was most impressed about. Also some Steve Kerr comments, of course, the head coach of Team USA about Ant and what Ant's role may be projecting this out a bit with this version of Team USA. Plus, some comments from The Ringer, Ryan Russillo and Bill Simmons about the Tim Rules. I thought they were comical. We'll talk a little bit about those towards the end of the show today. It's all coming. Welcome in. You are Locked On Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy hump day. And a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can find this one. You can also watch the show on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. Lockdown Wolves, along with all the other Minnesota Lockdown podcasts, are available there. More great local sports coverage 24-7, and it's free. Download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app today on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves. Again, that's Lockdown T Wolves. Don't forget the T. And also my account, which is at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right. Uh, Going to spend most of the show today talking about Anthony Edwards on the national stage, or I guess really international stage, playing for Team USA on Monday night against Puerto Rico. It's exhibition game number one and a pretty lengthy exhibition schedule. They've only had like, what, a two or three day camp. Leading into the game, of course, we talked a little on Monday's show, would he be in the starting lineup? I was guessing he probably would be, and indeed he was. And uh, Team USA actually got out to a little bit of a slow start, which is, again, maybe not surprising given the lack of practice time and and also, um, well, I mean, really, the lack of practice time would be the biggest thing. Um, of course, much has been made of this team not having anybody from the last version of the Olympics, uh, the Team USA Olympic team and then also nobody that's ever made an all-NBA team, no multi-time all-stars on this team. And Anthony Edwards is certainly one of the players that people are looking to um, kind of take over on the international stage. So I want to break down his game specifically and then get into some of the comments Steve Kerr made, um, a couple things he said about Ant when asked after the game. And to me, like if we're just looking at the box score, I mean, Ant, Ant tied for the team lead in points. He and Cam Johnson each had 15 points. He also and also had four assists in this game, which was tied for second on the team. And he led the team with four steals, was tied for second in minutes with 22. He also attempted the most field goals of anyone on Team USA. 15 points on seven of 13 shooting, one of four at uh, beyond the arc. Did not get to the line at all, which is interesting. And we'll talk more about that here in a minute. It also uh, is related to Kerr's comments. Four assists, four steals, two rebounds, a block, and two turnovers. No fouls committed for Ant either in 22 minutes. Um, however, what was most notable to me is that Ant wasn't really being asked to initiate much offense, nor was he being asked to guard on the ball very often on the other end of the floor. Um, it, it's maybe not necessarily surprising, and it, it also very well could depend on the opponent. This was game one. It's just something to kind of keep an eye on. I kind of thought that Team USA may have, and obviously Jalen Brunson is is the nominal point guard on this team, but I wondered if maybe Ant would get some opportunities to run some offense, run the second unit perhaps, of course, 
Tyrese Halliburton would have the opportunity to do that. Austin Reeves potentially too, although he didn't really run much offense in this game. Um, so I was a little surprised that Ant was primarily playing off the ball. Now that said, uh, I guess I didn't like like physically keep track of how many sets it looked like Ant was the primary option versus say Brandon Ingram or Mikel Bridges. But the U.S. ran a few sets for Anthony Edwards in the first, primarily first and third quarters, uh, and that I think is how he is best used with a team like this most of the time. Would be like, hey, we're going to run a play for you, Ant, and if it breaks down, we're going to count on you to create. And that was the most impressive part of Ant's performance in this game was the the creation that he brought to the table. Yes, it was quote unquote only four assists. Well, first of all, it was tied for second on the team and the most of any of this anybody in the starting lineup for Team USA. But the quality of passes that Ant had in this game were really impressive. He had four assists. Three of them were kickouts to open three point shooters. Were assists on three point made three point shots. One was the behind the back pass that he made in transition, which was obviously the best play of the game um, or probably the best overall sequence. There were a couple of really impressive block shot sequences. And actually, this one was was similar in that it started out on the defensive end of the floor. Anthony Edwards, it, it was perfect. It was a sideline out of bounds play for Puerto Rico. And I can't remember. I don't think it was Waters. I can't remember who Ant was guarding, but he was actually guarding the inbounder followed him around three screens, fought through three screens. The final pin down gets through it, and um, the his guy was catching the ball and was going to dump it down to the roller, really down on the baseline. And Ant jumped out, probably thinking he was going to contest the jumper, but what he ended up doing was deflecting a pass. So I'm sure that that went down as one of his four steals in the game. Deflected the pass, then released down the right sideline, got a pass, uh, released, immediately got the ball back, and then hit the behind-the-back pass to, I don't even remember who it was that dunked it anymore, maybe Brandon Ingram. Um, but the pass from Ant was was impressive. But to me, it was the activity on the defensive end to fight through screens, which we don't always see Ant do, but we know he can do it. The athleticism, the wherewithal to, to get through that last one, to deflect the pass, and then to release down the sideline, and all in just one fluid sequence, then get the ball, and so oftentimes we see Ant just kind of run guys over or try and draw a foul, which like we want to see him do, you know, the majority of the time because he can do those things. But the ability to kind of dump a behind the back pass mostly in stride, it wasn't perfect, but it was close for a, an easy dunk in transition was was really, really nice to see. And then his three assists, I I think all three of his other three assists were in the half court and they were kickouts to three point shooters. Um, or not kickouts, I guess the, his very first assist was Brandon Ingram was kind of trapped on the left side of the floor. Ant came and got the ball from him and then immediately passed it right back to him when when uh, when Ingram was only single covered at that moment. So it was like a quick catch and pass back for an assist on a three-point shot, which was a really accurate pass right in the shooting pocket from Ant. The feel, the timing was perfect. And then there was a really nice kick out after actually Ant missed a shot. Walker Kessler got a rebound. This is late in the fourth quarter. This is his last assist at the game. I'm forgetting one in there, but I think it was also a, a drive and a kick. Or maybe he got the pass as a cutter and kicked it out. But his last one was Kessler. Actually, Ant had a nice little cut. Um, Kessler kind of dumped the ball off. to Kessler was like along the baseline, dumped the ball to Ant. Rather than going up for a contested layup, Ant almost immediately slung it out to the left slot uh, for 
made actually no that wasn't an assist because he missed the three whoever the shooter was actually missed the three for the u.s so that wasn't actually one of his assists but it was a really nice passing play and it was good it was good feel to be in that place on the floor it wasn't even really a cut he just kind of lingered after he missed the shot and then sagged in to where the spacing was about right to get the pass from kessler but it was just a little crowded so he then kicked it to the opposite slot for an open jumper that just didn't go in so the passing from ant the creativity the creation for others from Anthony Edwards was top-notch in this game, and that was the most impressive thing to me. And what I'm excited to watch, because on a team like this where you don't have one dominant, you don't have a Kevin Durant, you don't have a Steph Curry, you don't have someone that's going to absorb all the shots, it could be a different guy every night. Like, almost everyone on this team has the ability to do that. That's why they're on this team. But they're all kind of, sort of, also able to be role players based on the stages they are in their respective careers and the way the pieces fit together. It's it's very intriguing, um, and it, you know it, it'd be absurd to make any rash declarations about this team after forty minutes of exhibition play. But um, like the the one thing that would only really concern me is is, is against some of the obviously they're going to play Spain in exhibition as well. But like you play against a Spain or an Argentina or an Australia, or a really good team. Um, how are you going to, what happens if you struggle to score offensively, right? Like I, they've got several guys that can score in isolation, Brunson, Edwards, uh, Ingram, even Bridges, Austin Reeves, Tyrese Halbert. Like they've got guys that can do it, but they don't have anybody that's done it for a sustained period period of time. Uh, sustained, sustained, extended, I combine those words, a sustained period of time um, in clutch situations on a big stage. Do they have someone that's that pure and, and efficient of a scorer to do that? Or can they kind of play this this game where every night it's somebody different as long as they fit within the fabric of what Steve Kerr is trying to do? And, and he obviously was imploring them to push the pace throughout the game. And that's going to be that's a key in international basketball, period. But that's going to be a huge thing for this team. They should get a lot of block shots just given their size and and um, not like they're huge, but uh, Jaron Jackson and, and you know, the length of an Ingram and an Edwards and... Um, you know, Paolo Bancaro is not huge. He's going to play some center and he's going to be more athletic than a lot of centers he plays against in this tournament. Um, anyway, I want to get to Steve Kerr's postgame conf- comments on Ant, explore a bit what maybe Ant might end up doing in this tournament role-wise. Uh, so we'll do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at FanDuel. Football season is about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. The NFL Hall of Fame game is coming soon. Preseason kicks off throughout the next week here. Right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time that they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and that's right. You'll get bonus bets for every victory, which is really intriguing. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more, of course, preseason starting this week. College football, the real thing, starting in just a couple of weeks. We're only a month away from real NFL regular season football. And then on the heels of that, you know, FIBA, uh, World Cup for basketball, of course, throughout uh, late August, I guess, into September. And then preseason NBA basketball is not far behind that. So tons of stuff upcoming. And then baseball playoffs. All that's going to be fun over at FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. A big thank you once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, every dayers, uh, we're going to keep covering FIBA basketball. The next game is actually not until, I think it's Friday night. 
So Friday show, we'll probably talk a little more Team USA. There won't be a game to react react to, but we'll do that. And then any other news that comes up related to the Wolves, of course, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, throughout the month of August. So we'll see you on Friday and then again on next Monday. All right. Uh, continue the Team USA, Anthony Edwards talk. We talked a little bit about Anthony Edwards, the, the steal behind the back sequence, his assists. Um, Scoring-wise, his other baskets were, were kind of a mix. Uh, he had one hustle, uh, a dunk off a hustle play, actually lost the ball, but then immediately applied ball pressure in the backcourt, got the ball back, and ended up getting a dunk out of it. He had an early dunk in transition um, that was uh, more just being in the right place at the right time and, and running the floor and hustling and playing hard, which obviously matters. He had a late three-pointer on a possession where the Team USA, I keep almost saying the Wolves, Team USA ran a play to get Ant the ball, and then he was just kind of patient, got himself an open three. So it was kind of typical Ant, except for the fact he didn't get to the line, which was interesting um, that he didn't get to the line at all, and maybe not all that surprising. So Steve Kerr made some comments related to Anthony Edwards and his potential role in um, in international play when he was asked about, well, I guess specifically about Ant in this game. And Kerr said, I'm going to read the exact quote. He said, Anthony was great. He fits the FIBA game really well because of his physicality at both ends. He can get through contact. They allow a lot of contact on drives so he can get through that contact with his strength and then using that same strength defensively, body people up and keep them from penetrating. So I thought he was great, but I thought the whole team played really well uh, or really played well. So, couple things. One, I thought it was pretty interesting. He wanted to make sure not to praise Ant too much. Um, the, I mean, like there isn't a a star, a, a one singular star in this team anyway. So I, you know, that approach makes a lot of sense. Also, the fact that Kerr says that he fits the game well because of his physicality and can get through contact. Well, he shot the ball 13 times. Only four of them were three-point attempts. So nine two-point attempts from Ant. And I think I remember one, there was, oh yeah, there was the, I didn't mention this. There was kind of the mid-range bank shot that he pulled up over a smaller defender and hit. I think that may have been his only non-paint too, which means without looking at a shot chart, at least seven, if not eight of his shot attempts were from inside the paint in this game. And he didn't attempt a single free throw. Now that's not too dissimilar from his regular season with the Wolves, right? Like uh, Ant doesn't get to the line as much as he should. But especially in FIBA, he's not going to get those whistles because they let contact go. You're going to be playing some of these teams with these more, these larger, more bruising bigs, and Ant's going to simply have to score through them. Now, it, of course, makes me really nervous watching that. In fact, I'll confess this now, I guess, in the middle of this podcast, but I, I struggle watching international basketball because I'm just petrified for these guys, you know, out there playing. And, uh, you know, that's all I'm going to say with that. But also just wear and tear and all that stuff. I don't know. It's it's hard for me. Maybe I'm a sicko, but it, it's hard for me to, like, really, really enjoy it for those reasons. But Ant's going to take punishment in FIBA. I mean, like, there's physical play. These guys play hard. And they they foul hard and there's just like just it's just a different style. And it's one of the reasons, as Kerr says, why Ant probably will be successful in this tournament, because there's other guys that can't do that. Right. It's kind of ironic. But like you talk about like Puerto Rico's they're not going to be the best team in this tournament, obviously. But like Waters on their team and like a couple other guys that are small, like you look at even some of the I mean, Spain's got some bigger bodies, but all of the teams, all of the good teams have some of these smaller guys that play internationally that just don't have the body types as NBA players. They just don't have the frame, the build, the strength, the thickness as players do a lot of times stateside. And I'm generalizing, but 
I think in general, as I'm generalizing, that's true of the international game. And yet at the same time, officials let more things go. And, and, um, it's, it's a little bit of a strange dichotomy, but it should lend itself to some real scoring opportunities for Ant, especially compared to, um, to maybe some of the teams that they're, they're going to play against. Related to Ant's role moving forward, um, you know, Kerr didn't really say much else about that in this interview. But if you look at the roster, and I mentioned this in the first segment about how there aren't that many guys on this roster that are like, hey, go get us a bucket at the end of the game. And like, there's not anybody to the caliber of Kevin Durant, even a Jason Tatum or James Harden, Steph Curry, like those guys aren't on this roster. But They've got a bunch of guys that can score. I would argue that Anthony Edwards is the best three-level scorer. And now that's a very specific thing, right? But I would say he's the best three-level scorer. And Brandon Ingram has probably the best pure scoring ability in terms of just getting to a spot in the mid-range and scoring. Jalen Brunson is fantastic in the paint. Um, Not all the way at the rim necessarily, but his floater game, that kind of mid-range, that uh, game that's actually reminiscent in some ways, uh, not identical, but in some ways of like, the Derrick Rose days under Tom Thibodeau. I mean, he's playing for Tom Thibodeau now in New York. It's that type of a game, the way he scores. But Anthony Edwards gets the rim more than either of those guys. I mean, you look at last year, Ant uh, shot about 30% of his shot attempts were within three feet of the rim. And that's not the case for Brandon Ingram and Jalen Brunson. Um, Ingram, that number was 14% of his shots were within three feet of the rim. And Brunson was about 15% of his shots within three feet of the rim. Ant again, um, Almost 30%, 29.5%, almost one out of every three of his shot attempts from the field was within three feet of the rim last season for the Wolves. So Ant is going to get to the rim more often. He still can score in the mid-range. It's not a huge part of his game. But then more than two-thirds of his shots, or I'm sorry, more than a th- more than a third of his shots last year with the Wolves were from outside the arc, which was actually down, by the way. Uh, his first two seasons in the league, he was about 46, 47% of his shot attempts were threes. Now, this last year with the Wolves was about 37.5% of his shot attempts were threes. So, Ants shoots more at the rim and outside the arc. It's He's more of an analytics darling in that regard, at least in terms of his shot distribution, versus Ingram and Brunson, who would do a lot more of their damage in the middle of the floor, um, or do a lot more of their damage in the middle of the floor, I should say. But Ant being better at the rim and outside the arc than both of those guys. Um, and also, I should say, Ingram's a good shooter from outside the arc. But almost all of his three-point attempts are assisted. Like, over 80% of his three-point attempts are assisted. Ant is more than happy, as Wolves fans know, to shoot off the dribble. And because of that, he's so much more dangerous, especially in an international game like this, because you just don't know what he's going to do. Is he going to go all the way to the rim? Is he going to drive and kick? Is he going to stop on a dime and shoot a three? Is he going to lull you to sleep and knock a mid-range down? Like, he can do all of those things. And while Brunson and Ingram are both extremely talented scorers, uh, I mean, they are, Ant, I think, has a little bit more uh, dynamic, I don't know, he's a little more dynamic. I got stuck on how I wanted to say that. A little more dynamic in terms of being able to do everything uh, from all levels. And that could lend itself to more late game opportunities for Anthony Edwards as part of this tournament. I think that's fairly likely um, as, as the tournament develops. All right. Let's close the show by taking a look at a few comments that were made on uh, the ringer about the Timberwolves that uh, I think we could all get a good laugh of uh, laugh out of. So we'll do that here next. All right. So I will admit I am a fan of a lot of what Bill Simmons does at the ringer. And I know that's controversial. I think in general, he's got fairly good uh, basketball 
opinions, although I, I will also say, I think I've said this in the show before, I can't stand the fact he now thinks the Wolves have made the worst trade in the last 25 years, you know, barely 13 months after doing it. Uh, but he was saying that a month or a year ago when the trade, the Gobert trade happened. I think his Gobert trade takes are a bit uh, uh, over the top, I think we'll say. But in general, I enjoy Bill Simmons. Uh, I think he's good at what he does. He understands what that is, right? Like he knows his role, if you will. And, and um, I think he's good at it. And I think for the most part, his basketball analysis is decent. Um, so he did a, uh, a, an expansion, a mock expansion draft with Ryan Rosillo, who I also really like uh, Rosillo for, uh, well, what did he get? I like Rosillo. Um, and so Rosillo in the expansion draft decided to select, of course, the way this works is uh, you can protect eight players if so, like each team could protect eight players, and then both Rosillo and Simmons couldn't take two players, couldn't each take a player from the same team. So only one player could be taken from each of the other 30 teams. Rosillo ended up taking Josh Minot. Simmons didn't know who it was, and like, like at all. And Rosillo, I'm guessing Rosillo did not know uh, who he was before Summer League, but that's fine. Like, I mean, national guys aren't necessarily expected to know who the 11th guy in every roster is. And that's the thing. I, I'm not like doing this to call out Simmons for that reason, because um, I don't know. I mean, any national guy like like sur surface level national guy, like not like, you know, really in the weeds, national people who are supposed to know all the, the ins and outs of every roster. But like that or or guys that cover individual teams, like I couldn't tell you necessarily a whole lot about the 10th or 11th guy on some random team in the Eastern Conference last year. I'd like to think I've heard of all of them. And so I guess maybe that's where this is funny, because Simmons says uh, he's never even didn't even know who he was. Um, but anyway, Rosillo knew who he was because of Summer League. So he talked about him being uh, really skinny and having a lot of skills and um and then they have a discussion about whether or not the Wolves would protect Rudy Gobert. But the best part about this, which which is a fair thing, like I don't I don't know exactly. I, I mean, I think the deal is in the expansion draft is if you take him, you also get his contract, right? So like an expansion team would be assuming a max contract then in Rudy Gobert. How many teams would this is actually a really fascinating thing that maybe is an idea for a show later on here at Lockdown Wolves, just for fun. Like, how many teams would not protect somebody on a max contract. There'd probably be a couple max guys out there just to see if the expansion team would take him. Well, the wolves, I don't think they protect Rudy Gobert. Maybe this year they would, but a year from now, maybe they wouldn't. Um, so anyway, they have that conversation. And then, and then after Simmons says the wolves would have to protect Gobert because they can't admit that they, that would be admitting they made the worst trade of the last 25 years. Uh, like I mentioned, but then Simmons himself says that he has a zag to it. And then he goes on to regurgitate. This is the uh, this is the thing that I find funniest, and we'll spend more time on, on the nuts and bolts of this on Friday's show. But Simmons goes on to 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 regurgitate the talking point that's now out there because Bruce Brown said it on a, on a podcast. Um, who else said that the Wolves gave somebody else besides Bruce Brown said that the Wolves gave the Nuggets their their toughest series? But it's been said in multiple places now. So Simmons says uh, this is. Um, I'm paraphrasing this, but he says basically the Wolves gave Denver the toughest job and the big guys gave Jokic a tough time. He had to work harder against them than anyone else. And then he goes on to talk about how if you have to go through Jokic to win the title, you need size. And and the Wolves have Gobert, they have Towns, they have Nas Reed. He lumps him in there. And you could talk yourself into it as a team that you have to go through to win the title. I think this is hilarious because after Harp 
like absolutely harpooning the Timberwolves for this trade for for the Gobert trade a year ago and just making fun of them to no end and still doing it in the next breath. He's talking about how the Wolves may have zigged when everyone was zagging or zagged when everyone was zigging or however you want to say it. And it may actually make sense because of who you now have to go through to win the title. Now that now that I guess now that Jokic has actually won a title, it becomes that much more attractive, right? The idea becomes like, oh, well, maybe you actually do need bigs to win because you have to be able to beat a team with the best player in the league who's also a big with bigs. And the Wolves have three starting caliber bigs. So it's incredible. And and I'm not at all suggesting, and I don't think anyone would say that Tim Connolly made the Gobert trade specifically because of Nikola Jokic. It's it's not exactly like Western Conference teams acquiring three, four, seven footers to combat Shaq and play hack Shaq, you know, 20 years ago. Um, I, I don't think that's the sole reason that Connolly did it. But I think Connolly knew that, like, hey, this is part of it, right? Like, um, obviously, there's not every team follows that. Not every team has, like, Joel Embiid's not in the Western Conference. Um, you know, you're talking about the other best players in the West. They aren't bigs, right? You're not, like, I don't think it's because of DeAndre Ayton. And now it's, you've got Kevin Durant, you've got Steph Curry. Dame's still in the West. We'll see. Um, you know, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, uh, Luca. Like, you're not talking about as many De'Aaron Fox. I guess you have Sabonis, but it's it's not like the Wolves did this trade for this reason. But now it could be a reason why people, at least nationally, and at least in the case of Bill Simmons and possibly Ryan Rosillo, are saying, hey, maybe this trade isn't so bad because somebody has to, you have to have somebody to put up against Jokic, and at least the Wolves gave them a fight. And I talked about this before the series in the playoffs, previewing the playoff series last year, is that there are actually things to like about, um, about what the Timberwolves did against Denver in the regular season. And of course we saw that in the playoffs with only the one true blowout. Of course the Wolves blowing a late lead in a game and, and, you know, being close in the others and only ultimately winning one, but they played really hard against Denver. We actually talked about this on Monday that they're, that the um, Jokic's game score was the worst against the Wolves in the first round. There's of course other factors too. There's some noise to that. It's not simply just matchup dependent. Um, But I don't think there's any doubt that having more frontline guys to throw at Jokic and being physical with him, making him try and defend with multiple bigs, talented bigs that can score. I mean, obviously the Lakers of Anthony Davis, I forgot to mention him a minute ago. Um, But like, you know, they went through Aiton and they went through um, Anthony Davis and, and, you know, everybody on the way to the title. So, uh, but all that to say, I mean, like Townsend Gobert gave him, as much trouble as anybody else. So I think it's hilarious that, that Simmons has to call that out in the same breath where he's again, lambasting them for making this trade. He, um, he then also says, well, maybe it wasn't such, he doesn't say this. He doesn't say maybe it wasn't such a bad idea, but he does say basically like this could end up helping them because they have to get through Denver and you need bigs to do it. It's, it's really funny. I actually want to spend some time on Friday breaking that down a bit further, breaking that idea down a bit further, um, because I, I think I think there's a lot more there to talk about. I want to look at the Western Conference, some of the bigs, and and just kind of unpack that more, the landscape of what the Wolves would have to do in the West, and and why why people like Bill Simmons may just talk themselves into Gobert making sense in Minnesota still. Um, 
So we'll do that on Friday's show. That'll be that'll be our focus Friday. We'll preview what's upcoming in FIBA and all that good stuff as well. So that's all we got for you today. A big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can find this one. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon at Fire TV. You can also listen on Twitter at Lock or excuse me, follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. The Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.